Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, Bold Move Expert and Coming Out Coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. It is time once again for the show. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, and today I'm really, truly excited. Okay, that doesn't mean that other times I haven't been really, truly excited, but I am excited because today we are going to push some boundaries. We are going to boldly go where most of us don't think we can go to a state of being in our mind where we can see ourselves as being limitless, having limitless possibilities, all that good stuff. And even when the worst shit in life is happening, I truly believe that we can tap into this limitless possibilities. And the guest I'm going to bring on today, we became friends a few months ago. She's been doing some amazing stuff and her book just came out yesterday about limitless. And I'm going to let her talk about that. But here's the thing. I think most of us get this this thing in our head that we can't do things and we can't be things and success means this and that blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly we're prohibited from seeing that we really are limitless human beings. We can go do whatever we want to do, but we don't buy into that. We'd rather buy into the BS that we can't do things. And that's why I wanted Laura to come back. She was on a few months ago but I wanted to support her with her book coming out because this book is amazing and she's going to give us some tips and tricks. She's also going to give us a link to an assessment that you can take to see how really limitless you are, your mindset is and all this good stuff. So um, I just want to dive in. I don't want to take this any further, but welcome back, Laura. I'm so excited to have you here. Hey, I'm so glad to be back. Yes. And so her name is Laura Gassner Odding. I don't want you to miss that because that's going to be one of the ways you can like go check her out. Her book is Limitless, How to Ignore Everybody, Carve Your Own Path, and Live Your Best Life. And um, she gave me a copy of this book a few months ago, right before I went on a cruise. And I have to say, I dove in. I dove in on the cruise and dove off the cruise, (laughs) you know, all that good stuff. But uh, I dove in and it, it, it definitely spoke to me from the perspective, Laura, of Even as much as I do this work with people every day, I found myself going, hmm, okay, well, there's that little limiting thought I'm having, and here's that little thing that shows up. Um, And I think this is why you really wanted to bring this message to the world, because I think so much of us miss that. So um, what was the impetus? I mean, I know you and I kind of talked about this a little bit on the last one, but there's definitely this thriving message that you want, that you wanted this book to bring forward. So what was really the start of this whole thing? Well, you know, I spent 20 years doing executive search and I was the CEO of my company, a company that I founded for 15 of those years. And so by the time candidates came to me for an interview, the truth is they were qualified for the job. They were pretty successful people. I had to make a determination about not just what they did or how they did, but why they did it. And mm-hmm. that why that was behind them was really the thing that set apart the, the the people who would be successful and the people who would just blow it out of the park. So 
I interviewed thousands of leaders. I came from the nonprofit sector, the corporate sector, the public sector. And they, as I said, were all pretty successful people. But what I noticed was that they weren't all happy people. Mm -hmm. And I was really struck by the dichotomy, by the divergence between success and happiness. And I started thinking, well, I'm pretty successful. Am I happy? And mm -hmm. When I started to think about, well, yeah, I'm I'm happy because I've got this great business and I have a happy marriage and I have you know kids that for the most part love me and also still like me and <laughs> I you know and 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 I, and I drive a nice car and I live in a nice house and I go on nice vacations check right. check check and right. I then I was like yeah but I'm not really why do I feel like something's still missing like I checked all the boxes but I still feel a little empty and why is that so I started to reflect about these 20 years and thousands of people that I interviewed. And I started to realize that there were actually some things that I noticed about the people who were both successful and happy. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed most about them was that they were in this wonderful state of alignment, of flow, of consonance, mm -hmm. where everything that they were matched everything that they did. The who they were matched the what they did. And they could live a life both at work and at home that was not striving to have balance between the two, but was really having alignment with each other. Yeah. And I think this word consonance is something that as soon as you said it the first time I interviewed you, I'm like, okay, this is not a word you, you hear a lot out there in the world. It doesn't get, you know, it's not in regular vocabulary, but I love it when these words show up because it becomes a stop and pause. And to me, when I started really looking at that and it was a really about the alignment, it's like, where am I not aligned with what I'm doing? And I started asking those questions it made me feel like, okay, now I'm getting somewhere. And I think consonance is really where this all starts, correct? Absolutely. So when you when when anybody, you know, any of your listeners have had to hire somebody in the past or have been in a job interview on their own, what they find is that they look at a list of qualifications and they say, Am I qualified to do the job? Am I interested in the organization? And mm -hmm. the hiring manager says, Is the person interested in the organization and am they are they qualified on paper to do the job? And if, if there has been any mistake, and I've, there have been many that I have made in hiring my own people, I spent a lot of time hiring for skill and yeah. not enough time hiring for culture fit. And I started to say to my clients along the way, yes, that person is qualified, but I don't believe that they're consonant with who you are as an organization. And because of that, you will have organ rejection. The person will come in, they will you know, make a lot of change, do all the things that you're asking for, and they won't do it in a way that is consonant with the energy and the ethos of your organization. And because of that, they and you will fail. And the idea of that was pretty easy to, to explain to people within the mission-driven nonprofit world because we do take this idea of who we are and living our lives manifest our values and our work so seriously. It is really part mm -hmm. and parcel of who we are. So I, you know, I've been using the word consonant for you know, 20 years. Right. And, and, and still when I say it to people, they're like, wait, what? Continent? Incontinent? Mm -hmm. Continent? <laughs> what? Consequence? What? And I'm like, no. Consonance, but yeah. I will tell you, it's been really helpful for me as a professional speaker because I've learned to I've learned to 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 um, articulate my words mm -hmm. very clearly. But the idea of consonance it means harmony. It means when things are together, when they're aligned, when they flow. And and you know we spend so much energy. You know we say, oh, we're too busy, and the truth is, we're actually not that busy. Mm -hmm. We're not tired because we're busy. We're tired because of the need to constantly code switch and put on different costumes in between the two busy. So, you know, if, if, if you are somebody at, 
at work and you're somebody different at home, say, you know, you're a dental hygienist and then you go home and what you really love to do is, you know, make candy. <laughs> you're, mm-hmm. learning, you're learning how to make the best caramel ever. If, if you're, if you are a, a, an oncologist and then you go into work and you talk about, you know, this great trip you just took to Cuba and the wonderful Cuban cigars you had, you know, you're not going to get a lot of resonance and consonants with the, with the people who, who, you know, with whom you're in a tribe. And so if you're constantly switching between the person you are at home and the person you are at work, you are not in consonance. And that's, that's where the exhaustion comes in. I agree. And I went through this myself as I was in corporate America. My first really like, okay, here I am. I'm, I'm up in that C level arena. And it was also simultaneously as I realized I was coming out of the closet. I knew that things weren't, something just wasn't really right. I wasn't being who I was. And it's so interesting that as I came out of the closet and I got laid off from my big, you know, C-level job, and then I went into the next job and it was like, hmm, yeah, it's kind of what I want to do, but it really wasn't. It wasn't until I got laid off that second time and all of this had to do with me coming out of the closet, every bit of it, that I realized, wow, this coming out, sure, it was about my sexuality, but it led me to what I do right now because I had to come out and go, this is what Rick really wants to do. Rick wants to be that connection point. He wants to be that person that like does these things that helps people come out of their closets and be that touchy feely guy, even though I'm a big monster of a man, you know, it's like, okay, this big teddy bear comes in here and goes, okay, we're going to go do this. I'm going to make you cry. We're going to get through it. I had to get to that space, but the only way I got through it was to come out of the closet And then in my own way, discover my consonance was what I do and who I am both align. And you're better in both places because of it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the key to being limitless. Like I, the, 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 I I was struggling with the title of the book and it was originally called purpose, Mm -hmm. how to do work that matters. And, and I, um, I talked to my dear friend, Clay Bear, uh, Mm -hmm. who I think you, you, you know, you, you know. And we went back and forth for 45 minutes and, and brainstorming ideas. And finally, he said, Laura, how do you want people to feel once they've read this book? And I'm like, I just want them to stop being so limited by everybody else. And he said, so you want them to be limitless? And I said, yes. And he said, well, how do you want them to get there? And I said, I just want them to start ignoring everybody else and everyone else's definition of success and creating their own path and, and just living a great life. And he's like, so you want them to be limitless, ignore everybody, carve their own path and live their best life? And I was like, mm-hmm. yes. And mm-hmm. so the book changed from purpose, how to do work that matters, mm-hmm. to limitless, how to ignore everybody, carve your own path and live your best life, which mm-hmm. feels so much feels so much more like unburdening, uncloseting yeah. yourself, yes. and so much less like you have to do work that matters. Because it's, mm-hmm. that's not really what it is. Like we, th- we get this wrong because we think we have to do work that has purpose. And then we assign these ideas of like lofty, higher purpose, all the rest. And then we feel bad or we get trapped in, you know, whatever the, the ideas that we have in that, you know, in that closet. And so, you know, the idea behind the book was I want people to stop being so limited by everyone else. And if you're in a job where, you know, you're, you're the straight guy at work and you're the gay guy at home and you can't mm-hmm the full version of who you are. And if it takes getting laid off once and getting laid off twice and, and then finally being in a place where y- you just are who you are because you've, you've, all the rest has become, you know, you've unfettered yourself whether you wanted to or not from everything else. And then suddenly there you are and you can be the fullest version of you. Mm-hmm. And what a gift that is to everyone around you. Like imagine if you had not found this consonant. Think of all the people who you've helped since yeah. you've done this. Mm-hmm. 
you have made the world a better place. Yes. And I show up in a better way and I'm able to be better for them. And I'm better as a father. I'm better as a husband. I'm better as a friend. I'm better as a, all these things show up in a different way because I'm more aligned in who I am. And people miss this piece so often. They're like, oh, I just don't have the ability. Yes, because you haven't figured out yet what you need to most align with. As soon as you align with what you're supposed to do and who you really are, and it is, it's not easy. I think Laura and I will both admit this is not easy stuff to do. But you got to give yourself permission to say, okay, I'm going to at least attempt to go do this. And not even you attempt, you're going to go do it. You, you know, and you've got to give yourself permission to fail. I think we see yes. failure as finale so often. And the truth is that failure is really fulcrum. You know, failure, you know, all of us have failed at things. And it's not like we failed and that all of a sudden we've, we've, we've disappeared off the face of the earth. Like we failed and we've come back stronger in different ways. Maybe we've come mm-hmm. back more, more understanding, more empathetic. Maybe we've come back tougher and bolder. But the, the failure teaches us something. And, we, and it's often the thing that we don't know that it's going to teach us, which is part of why it's so hard. But I think having, giving yourself permission to dream a little bit and to be a little bold and to maybe think I could be the one to do that. And if I don't, maybe I'll fail along the way, but I'll get better. I also think it's important to give ourselves permission to be ambitious. I think mm-hmm. that we don't, I think we think, oh, I could have that big goal, but I'm, I, I don't, who am I to have that goal? And I'm not so sure I should. And what are other people going to think of me if I tell them that I have this big goal? And I believe deep in my bones that you have a community, Rick, who relies on you, who learns from you, who upholds you and who you uphold. And if you were not the fullest version of yourself for that community, they would not be the fullest versions of mm-hmm. themselves. So it's not ambition. Frankly, it's your responsibility. Yes. And so I want people to feel unlimited. I want them to take away those limits of you know ego and ambition and I'm not so sure and whatever, because I think we all have to be here and show up for each other. And the fact that you have been able to do this and you've been able to build this community doesn't mean that you are ambitious and I want to do this because it's my show and it's about me and here's my name. Mm-hmm. It's because you actually have a responsibility because you have this gift that you can bring to other people. And the same thing happens exactly for anyone. You are right there too. You're, you're not being ambitious by bringing this book to fruition. You're doing what you were set on this planet to do. And, and too many people hold back. Now, some of them can't figure it out. Okay, I get that. And it does take some time to like, okay, what am I supposed to be really doing here? But then when they get shown it, and then they come back away from it and then they get shown it again and then they retreat back. It takes a few times before you finally go, yes. In fact, it was interesting listening to you talk about your and Clay's conversation about the title of the book, because for the last few days I've been in one of those, you know, where we get in our heads about, okay, I'm building a new opt-in and you know, what's it going to be? What's the title got to be? And how does the title, and what, and of course, you know, I did the group think thing, which folks, Yes, groupthink is fine, but <laughs> only if you have the right group. <laughs> right, you need the right group. And so, of course, you know the next thing I know, it's starting to sound like any Cosmo article. Not that there's anything wrong with Cosmo. Okay, I don't want to offend it. Cue the hate mail. <laughs> right, but it was suddenly like really five ways to get past your fears. And I'm like, that's not how Rick talks. And then my coach said, "Well, that may not be how it talks, but it's got to be how how sellable it is." I'm like, "Okay, I kind of buy into it." I'm like, "No, I can't do this." I can't be the guy that says five ways to overcome your fears and finally do what you're going to do. Okay. Now we kind of ended up there, but that's not how Rick talks. Rick says, okay, 
dump your bullshit fears, no more lip service, and finally do what you're going to do. Here's yes. the five-day video series. That's Rick. That's who I am. That's who I show up. And I know there will be people who won't resonate with that, and that's okay because they're not my people. You know, it's so funny that you say that. I So as you know, I was on the Today Show a couple yep. of weeks ago, and yep. um, I was on the 10 to 11 o'clock hour, the Hoda and Jenna Bush Hager hour. Yep. And uh, the producer told me, you know, the 10 to 11 o'clock hour tends to be stay-at-home parents. So, you know, you, when you talk about uh, being, you know, using your career to carve your own life, you know, you might want to talk about using your work, using your productive time of the day, which, you know, again, for anyone, whether you work, whether your work is paid or unpaid, whether, you know, regardless of what you're doing, there is still like productive time of your day that you want to use to create yep. the life that you want. Um, and so, you know, I went on and I, I, I'm athletic. I have a lot of, you know, muscles and um, I have Michelle Obama arms. And uh, the, my stylist said, definitely don't wear sleeveless. Definitely wear something with sleeves. And I thought, well, that seems, you know, I, that seems not really me. I'm not really sure. I don't really know. Um, so I, but, but, you know, she, she has styled Katie Couric, so she knows what yeah. she's doing and I can't, I never went to girl school. So like, I don't know how to dress myself. I, I, I need, <laughs> I need help. Um, so I went on, on the show and I was wearing this like aubergine, uh, beautiful aubergine dress that, you know, three quarter sleeves and my hair was sort of soft. My makeup was sort of soft and I was very soft. I was approachable. I was warm. I was, you know, talking as if I was talking to like the stay at home parent crowd. And, uh, and then I got a lot of people who came to my website, which was wonderful. They came to my website, they looked it up, and, and they started downloading some of my stuff. And then I started getting emails from people that were like, I couldn't get past all of the profanity. And mm. I read the things that they were saying, and the things that they were saying that had profanity were um, when I said something like, get the hell out of your own way, or mm. you're mm. damn right. Or I mean, it wasn't like F-bomb this and F-bomb right, right, that. Right. It was like it was pretty soft porn right, you exactly. know, in terms of how this works. Um, and, and I actually went back and forth with one woman a couple of times. And I was like, well, you know, I just want to know what you read. I'm really curious. I'm interested. And she, and it turns out that there really wasn't anything specific. It was just my vibe was so aggressive and in your face and like, mm -hmm. you know, quit the bullshit. Like you said, right, right. that like the difference between who I was on the show, which is me and who I was in my writing, which is also me was a little jarring. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you are, um, trying to find the happy medium between the voice of who you are and the sort of the, the culture, the right, ethos right. of it, because otherwise it does. I had plenty of people that are like, oh, I love what you said, but I love the energy now that I see it here. Mm. And, you know, but you have to figure out who your people are, right? So that woman who went back and forth with me, really lovely, really wonderful, probably in the end of the day, at time, not my people. Mm -hmm. Lots mm -hmm. of other people were. So I think you just have to figure out who your people are and, and then be in a world where that becomes your family as opposed to everybody else in the universe. Yes, but I, I think what's so interesting is this, and it kind of talked to some stuff that you've talked about you know, in the book and about this feeling of aloneness. If I go out here and I show up this way, I'm going to be the only one who shows up this way, which is so not true. But there's, again, there's where you limit yourself Instead of realizing the more you step into your true self, that's when the limitless stuff shows up because then you can be limitless with the people who most want to interact with you. You can be limitless in the kind of messages that you send. I, I think we may have talked about this the last time, but you know, when I started as the coming out coach, everybody said, Oh, this is so great. You can work with teens. You can do it. I'm like, no, that's not who I'm going to work with. I'm going to work with guys just like me who have come out late in life, 
who are struggling through all of the stuff that they're going to go through. Who, yes, they, the betrayal, the lying, all whatever it all is, they have kids or whatever, because that's where I need to be. Yes, I could have tried to go be everything else, but I can't be the teen who came out. Okay, yes, I came out at 19, but I went right back in the closet. So I can't really be that teen and inspire those teens because that's not where I was. I can't be the 20-something who's like, okay, I haven't come out yet, but you know, I know I, I couldn't do that because I did, that wasn't my experience. And I think this beautiful thing and you know, one of the things I know that comes up is, well, I'm going to feel like I'm alone. So if somebody feels like they're alone by going and stepping into their limitless energy, so to speak, what would you say to them? Because all of us have that tendency to go, I'm going to be the only one. Yeah. You know, I think that it feels, it, I think that all pain is exquisite and local mm-hmm. and it feels so real. It feels 100%. You know, they, have you ever noticed that you, that you feel more pain at night than you do during the day? Like you wake yes. up with like a cramp and it's like so bad. And then you're like, oh, actually that's not so bad. I think it's because you're not focused on everything else. So you, you're just completely 100% focused on that pain. Yeah. And I feel like emotional pain often feels that way when we, when we, mm-hmm. when we feel alone and we feel like there's a spotlight on us and everyone's looking at us and you hear the bully from middle school going, ha, you know, and you just right. feel that, 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 that bile in your throat because you think that it's just you and you're going to be found out. A, everybody else feels exactly the same way. So they're so busy thinking about everyone else looking at them that they're not actually looking at you. They're actually not paying attention to you. We're all Nobody such cares. Narcissists. Nobody cares. We're such huge narcissists. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is uh, we're all freaks, right? We're mm-hmm. all a different kind of freak. And the beautiful thing about all of us being freaks is that everybody has had that moment when they've been alone before. And it may be that you are, um, it may be that you are actually alone and the first person to do it. And then somebody else jumps out and it's like, oh, thank God you are here because I'm that way too. You know, I, I, we talk a lot about having a ride or die person in your life. Somebody who's going to like be there and do it. And it turns out that the ride or die is that's you and the person in your sidecar, right? They're going to ride with you anywhere. There's only one seat in the sidecar. You actually don't need 50 people to be with you. You can, you don't have to have that many people. You need one. And that mm-hmm. one then will have one and that one will have one. And all of a sudden you've created a tribe. But I think, I think that, um, I think that it is important for us to live on the edge of our incompetence in this mm-hmm. place in the world where we're not entirely comfortable and we're not entirely safe. I um, had just gone to my, my son's uh, uh, school uh, parent-teacher conferences, and I spent the entire time listening to all the things that my kids don't do well, that they need to work on. And I, I left feeling like, wow, I got, I got, I'm really, got some work to do with these kids. I better like, you know, stop the Fortnite playing or whatever's going on. And then I started reflecting on it and thinking, well, you know, what do I need to work on? And there are loads of things I need to work on. Those are all the things that I, that I procrastinate and I don't do because they're hard and they're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And what a gift that my kids get to spend every single hour of every single day. They may not think it's a gift in the middle of algebra class, but sure. every single hour of every single day on the edge of their incompetence. As grown-ups, we get hired and paid and promoted and praised for being in the centers of our excellence. Yep. We never go outside of our, you know, and in fact, there's a whole management philosophy about the Peter principle that you get promoted until, you know, you can't get promoted anymore. But then we don't, we, we're not, we don't, that, that we see that as a dead end as opposed to the next place from which we can grow. And right. it, it, the only way to get comfortable being the only one and being alone is to see it as 
this is a thing from which I will grow. This is the yep. edge of my incompetence. This is my discomfort area. This is, mm-hmm. this is, I want to get comfortable being uncomfortable because it is in that space that the growth and the elasticity um, and the pliability happens. And, and it's scary. We're not going to say it's easy. It's scary, but it's so empowering. I, I can't even begin to share enough stories here about how many times I've come to that space of feeling completely incompetent and going, okay, I can either sit here and twiddle my thumbs and go into the crazy making space and listen to the little voices in my head until I can't hear anything else. Or I can just plow through and go, okay, so if I screw it up, I screw it up. But there's also the possibility that I won't screw it up. There's also a possibility I might screw part of it up, but the rest of it will be bad. And suddenly, you know, Tony Robbins says something that I find so interesting. You know, if you only have two options, you really don't have choice. But the minute you put the third thing in play, now you have choice. Because when Mm. it's only two, it's either yes or no. But the minute you look beyond, and a mutual friend, Tamsin Webster, she, I love, I was just talking to somebody about her, and I love one of the things on her website, and one of her core things is to change what people do, you have to change how they see. And it plays to what we're talking about here. You have to be able to see the other options. You have to be able to see that, okay, well, my kid confronts this every day. What do I need to do to be able to confront this and walk through it too? We don't see things other than black and white so often. But when we flip it around and we see it from that other perspective, that's when we start to grow. And I know part of what is so beautiful about this process you have in the book is you have the four C's. You have the calling, the connection, the contribution, and the control. And to me, this becomes how you start to walk through this. So let's walk through those. Like let's let's talk about why this limitless starts with calling connection, contribution, and control. And I think, I mean, knowing you and knowing the book well enough, it can kind of start from any one of those, but I think there's a flow to this even, right? There's a flow to it. I think what's really important for people to understand is that there are four C's that create your your consonants, your own Mm -hmm. personal uh, recipe of consonants. And you have to have all four of them. But you don't have to have all four of them in the same amount, and you don't have to have all four of them necessarily um, in large amounts, but you have to have a little bit of each. And at every age and at every life stage, you're going to have and want different amounts of each. So the four C's are as such. Uh, First, calling. Something that gets you out of bed in the morning, something that's bigger than you. We think about calling a lot as being like this higher calling, this bigger purpose, curing cancer, saving the whales, you know, feeding the poor. And it can be that, and that's wonderful. Um, it can also be a brand that you love, a business you want to build, a leader who inspires you. It can be some bigger thing that matters to you in life, right? Mm-hmm. Calling. Yep. Uh, the second thing is connection. Does the work that you're doing on a daily basis, day in and day out, help to serve whatever that calling is? So um, why do you, in this box, in this organizational chart, in this organization, actually matter? Would it matter if you called into you know, sick to work tomorrow? What impact you're calling? So that's the second piece. Mm-hmm. The third then is contribution. And while connection is all about the work, contribution is all about you. So does this work pay you the kind of money that allows you to have the lifestyle that you want? Um, does it give you the sort of flexibility that gives you the life that you need? Does it have the sort of brand or prestige or philanthropy that allows you to manifest the values that you want into the world? right? Is yep. this work contributing to you serving 
that calling in some way. And then lastly, control. How much control do you want and need over the connection and contribution that your work has towards your calling? And so if you think about different stages of, of life, when I was 21 years old and quitting law school to work on Bill Clinton's first presidential campaign, I had all the calling in the world, right? I was just, I had all the idealism I could stomach. But I was pitch, I was, you know, I was, I was, I was gophering coffee all day long. So I didn't really have all that much connection. In terms of contribution, hmm, I don't know. I was getting paid all the ramen soup I could eat and cold right. pizza. I was using force. So it wasn't contributing a lot of money. But if he won, possibly I'd go get a job in the White House, and that would be a pretty great trajectory for my career path. That would, it would, it would, it would con the contribution there. And then control. Of course, I had no control whatsoever, but I was 21, and I didn't need it, and I was living in a rat-infested apartment in the basement, and right. you know, I didn't need any of those things. So that was my, what I, what I needed was to be inspired and to do whatever it took to be a part of that inspiration. That calling mattered more than anything else on earth. And the rest of it mattered a little bit less. Now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be 48 in a couple of weeks and, you know, my parents are getting older. I've got teenage kids. I'm serving on a couple of boards in my community. I'm, I've got a husband who has a, a, a pretty uh, rigorous job. So, you know, calling matters to me. I want to do things that, that actually, that, that have some sort of purpose because I do have this nonprofit and political background, but really connection matters so much more to me right now. I have absolutely every single thing I do with my work has to matter. I can't just take on a client because it's going to pay me something. It has to pay me the right amount. Um, it has to be work that I care about. It has to be the way that I want to show up in the world to, 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 to make it a better place. Contribution, if that work is not manifesting my values into the world, then I am really not um, living the life as a parent that I want to have for my children. And control, I need a ton of control because I have to be able to be in six different places at once um, because I'm basically having a long distance relationship with everyone in my life, including my dog. Yeah, so yeah. The, the, for me, the rubric has changed. And then you think about people who are maybe baby boomers who you know, are the, the, the children of RFK and JFK and MLK, and they have mm -hmm. one big career left in them. And what they do and that work might not necessarily matter. They might not care that much about the connection to the work, but they care deeply about calling and contribution. And, you know, maybe they want control because they want to be able to, you know, go see their grandkids on the weekends or things like that. So for everybody at every different age and every different life stage, it's going to mean something different. Um, and I put together on my website a quiz where your listeners can go and um, they, it's like a 10 or 15 minute quiz, about 60 questions or so. And it walks them through each of the, the four C's. So it's mm -hmm. at limitlessassessment.com. And if people are trying to figure out, oh my God, well, I don't even know where to start. That's yep. a perfect place to start because they can go, they can see um, what, they, um, wh what they want, you know, what the compulsion is, and then what the quotient is about how much they want and have of each of these. And then they'll get some tips about things that they can do to make some changes. That's awesome. So again, folks, that's limitlessassessment.com. We'll have that um, up on the show page as well. But Laura doesn't know this, but um, after our first talk on the podcast, we kind of talked about these four C's then. And I looked at him through the lens of someone coming out, not just coming out sexually, but we'll use that one as the lens right now. And I found it really fascinating that in order for someone to become in consonance with their sexuality, they have to adhere to the calling to honor their sexuality. Because when they honor that sexuality, then not only do they create connection with themselves, but they actually start creating genuine, authentic connection with others. 
myself as an example. When I was trying to be Mr. Heterosexual Straight Guy and then at times being totally who I was in my gay self, I wasn't connecting with people on either side of that fence because there was a barrier. I was gay guy who could turn it off and then go back to hetero. I was hetero guy who could turn it off and go to the gay. Not that there's a switch, folks. Please don't believe that because that isn't how this works. But there was that piece where I wasn't connecting. I was having false connections with everybody in my life. But as soon as I connected to myself, even though there was hurt and everything that came along with that to go through the divorce and all that, I realized that my contribution, my personal contribution, which was all about me at that point, gave me the ability to show up better to be the person I was meant to be, to live the life I was meant to live, to do the thing I was meant to do, which became my calling to be a coach and all this sort of stuff. And for me, the control was, I actually was more in control of my life. I was so out of control trying to live a duality. And what I find is when I take this this process, and I haven't done Laura's quiz, so I will be doing it too. But when I take this process and I walk through it, it makes so much sense because as soon as you can align with your calling, you start connecting better. You start contributing to the world in the way you want to contribute. There's so much in the control space that not only do you control your own life, but you control how you interact. You control how you go forward in relationships. Everything begins to change. So I just wanted to like throw that little lob, that little piece of this. Okay. I'm going to say this shit works. Um, (laughs) It, it just, it made such a difference. And literally a few days after that, I was talking to a client, coaching a client. And I said, well, so let me ask you this. If you saw your sexuality as a calling, that would actually help you connect better with people in your life and connect better with yourself. I'm curious how much more in control you would feel and what contributions you would make in the world. And it was a beautiful moment. Oh my God. Just went off. I am, um, I'm, I, I have got tears in my eyes. That is such a beautiful, that is such a beautiful way to frame it. And I, I think we do spend so much time denying who we actually are and who we can be. Um, and and I, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm gobsmacked um, that that you've been able to take this framework and really bring it so deep into the core of what makes us us. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I know there's been some discussion around this, but if you took our current political climate, if I have to apply it to this, and I know that could be like a whole, that could be like a two hour podcast right there. A whole other podcast. Right. But if you think about what's the real calling in some of the politics at this point, and are they really contributing? And is it more about control than anything else? And you take each one of these individually and you start going, but they're not connecting. They may be connecting to certain people, but it's, it's the same framework. You can take this and go, how much of our current political system is not in consonance simply because one, two, three of these things may be missing, but one is the definite reason that things are happening. I mean, I can see control being a big thing right now. I spend a lot of time, um, as you know, raising money uh, in the political world. And I have, I, I have a litmus test um, th- that I've developed in the last couple of years, and that litmus test is service to country, whether it is AmeriCorps, Peace Corps, military service, something. And I've actually started supporting candidates from both sides of the aisle now, which took me a very long time. But my thinking is this. If 
you have shown me some predisposition of service towards country above service towards self, then when push comes to shove and the hard conversations have to happen, I think maybe you may go back to service to country above service to self or service to party. And so if you think about it in terms of the rubric of calling, connection, contribution, and control, if your calling as an elected official is to get reelected or to serve your party, then the right. connection, the work that you're doing every day is in service of that. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. And if your calling as an elected official is to make the world a better place and to serve your community mm -hmm. and to serve your, your, your constituents, then everything that you do on a daily basis is in service of that instead. Yep. And those are two very different callings. So your connection mm -hmm. and what you do and how you decide whether or not your work matters completely changes based on where your, where, where your calling lies. And I think your contribution of how you then live that life it, it, you know, follows, of course, from that. So I, I, it, it is, it is an interesting, um, it is an interesting thing to think about overlaying this over all of it, because, you know, at, at, when I was doing executive search, I, we used to say that there were about eight or so factors that would motivate anybody for any job. And, you know, there were, there were, there was the prestige of the brand, there was the leadership, there was new right. skills acquisition, there was um, geography, flexibility, obviously money, right? All of these things. And I would be really good at pitching people and getting them to jump into my, my search pools to sure. dive in, as you said, to jump into my search <laughs> pools. And, and, and then as the searches would go on for, you know, two and three months, because executive search takes a long time, I would notice that they would just disappear. They would fall out. I wouldn't be able to get in touch with them. They would drop out of the searches. And it wasn't until I realized that I had to connect these things to their connection, their contribution, their calling, and their, yep. their control that they would stick around. And so, you know, does the work that they're doing matter? Does the money matter to them? What are the values of the organization and the brand prestige? And how does that contribute to their overall career trajectory? So I think it, you can really take this framework and apply it to any time you spend in your life, right? Yes. Whether you're a stay-at-home parent, whether you're, you know, in the C-suite, whether you're in political office, and you can think, what is my calling? What is the purpose? What am I, why am I, what is the thing that I want to have in this one big juicy, messy life that we have? Yep. And then from there say, does the stuff I'm doing every day connect to that? What's on my to-do list? What's in my inbox? Who's throwing things, you know, into my giant catcher's mm -hmm. mitt of, you know, things, busy, to, get done. things yep. to get done. And do they matter? Right? Mm -hmm. And if they don't matter, if they're not serving your, your calling, then maybe you shouldn't be the one to do it. Maybe, mm -hmm. so maybe you should politely decline and say, that's not something that I've got time to do right now. And the truth mm -hmm. is, the person throwing the stuff at you, they're going to find someone else, right? And so if it's will. an assignment of a label, of a, of, a, of a personality, of a persona that you have to be, and that's not serving your mm -hmm. calling, and if that calling your, your sexuality or whatever that calling may be, then it's time to politely decline and go run your own race. You know, it's interesting that this is kind of like where we're ending up because I'm getting ready to launch a new podcast. And as I was thinking about, okay, how do I want to reach out to these people about the new podcast? And um, I thought, I'm not going to ask them to do this just because I wanted to do them. I'm actually asking them three things in the, in the ask. I want you to feel called to be on this podcast and that it connects to you and that you feel like this is a contribution that you can make and that you feel like this really gives you a platform to do something. And it's been amazing how many people have said yes, yes, yes. Amazing. Because I put it in that framework. I didn't want to really use control because I didn't feel like it fit, but I thought so many people get asked, you know, to be on podcasts and stuff and I, I want it to be fully aligned. <laughs> you know, I want it to be in consonance with them. 
because that calling to, and so the podcast is for guys over 40 dealing with all the bullshit stuff us guys deal with and, or think we deal with, you know, all that stuff. And I'm only having guys over 40 on the podcast when I do an interview. Sometimes there won't be an interview. Sometimes it's going to be Rick spouting off about something, but I want them to feel called to it. I want them to have a connection. And even as I've done this, there are two guys in particular, which I'm not going to reveal because I want that to be a surprise when they're on the show. That one that focuses on respect, that's his whole thing. He, he just thrives on respect. Another one is somebody who's very well known, who has made no bones about as a man, he suffers from depression. And as a guy who suffers from depression myself, I wanted him on the show so we could talk about this because it's part of our calling. It's where we connect. It's how we can contribute to letting other guys know, hey, you can still be a guy and you can still suffer from depression. It doesn't make you any less of a man. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. is like, you know, it's interesting that this is all playing out and that you and I got connected because once I got the C's, I'm like, I am looking at this almost daily in different ways to bring it into how can I use what Laura's written about to like help me do the thing I'm doing. So um, thank you for helping me do what I do even better and being more connected to what I've been called to do. So. Oh, that is amazing. I'm, I'm excited for this podcast too. Yes, I can't wait. I can't wait to launch this one because it's going to be really short format, only like 10 minutes. We're just going to focus on one thing. That's all we're going to talk about there. You know, yes, they'll get to push something if they've got something they want to push, but it's about, you know, because, okay, let's be honest, guys. I love all my men bros, but our attention spans can be pretty short at times. So 10 minutes, guys, that's all you got to tune in. <laughs> you just got to do that, you know. But um, anyway, so as we wrap up here, Laura, I would love to just ask this one question. And this is always like a curveball when I throw something like this at events. But um, if Limitless didn't happen, how would you feel? Well, I did just see um, the other day on social media uh, that that the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile is looking for new drivers, and I actually posted on Facebook: "If Limitless flops, I've got a backup plan." I, I love travel, and I'll just travel yeah. around the country supplying wieners. There you go. That's a great. That's a great visual. I'm going to have to. Uh, I remember you posting that. I'm like, okay, yeah. Her and I, we could, we could definitely get out on the road. I'll bring the wine, you bring the wieners, and off we go. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that would be great. I don't know. If it doesn't happen, I will do something else. There's, <laughs> I feel life is an adventure. And I, I honestly think if you, if there's an adventure around every corner if you just look hard enough. And sometimes, you know, you don't expect that adventure to be the one that presents itself. And sometimes the adventure presents itself because you get smacked in the face by something that you didn't really, really weren't. Um, you weren't really weren't looking forward to, but it happens anyway. And then, you know, there's, there's, if you're open to the lessons, there are things that can come from it. And sometimes it takes a long time and it really sucks and it's really hard, but I, um, I don't know. I never really even intended to write this book and it just sort of, it, it, it kind of came out of me because it couldn't mm-hmm. not. So yeah. we'll see, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. But what I There's find always so the fasc- yeah, exactly. There's always the wiener reel. What I find so fascinating about what you just said is everything you just said was limitless. I'll do the wiener mobile. I'll go travel. I'll spend more time. What every word that came out of your mouth after I asked that question was actually a limitless possibility. You know, we have we 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 do have a choice, right? I mean, all due respect to Tony Robbins, the choice is is to be positive or be negative. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and and I think that I think that there was so much energy 
being holding on to being negative. And I, you know, sometimes I'll guest lecture in, in classes, entrepreneurship classes, and um, someone will say to me, well, how long did it take you to write your business plan? And, you know, how long did it take you to write your book, your book proposal? I'm like, oh, I didn't do any of these things. I just, I just put one foot in front of the other and I kept going. I think, yeah. you know, I developed confidence because I started to show competence in the things yes. that I was doing. And every time you put one foot in front of the other and your pants don't explode, you're like, oh, I guess I could put another foot in front of the next and another foot. And the next thing you're like, wow, I've just run a marathon. Like I didn't know I could even run a 5k. And, and I think that, I think that we have that choice. We can either get up today and we can say, what's going to go well. We can get up today and go, what's going to suck. And I am a, what's going to go well kind of person, mostly because I've already decided if it sucks, here's my backup plan. And mm-hmm. once you know what the backup plan and once you know that like the roof's not going to fall in and yeah, you know, like everyone has economics and reality and I get it. And you know, you can't lose your job and you got to pay your mortgage and all of that. Right. But once you have figured out, okay, what's my backup plan if the very worst thing happens, mm-hmm. you've kind of already taken care of worrying about that and you can like put it in a box and not think about it again. Now you can focus mm-hmm. on what can happen if things go well. Exactly. And we get so we get so caught up in the what if could happen. And um, a guest a few months ago said something that was really powerful. And I think it's a great place to like bring what you do to this close. He said, "What if you're actually living your worst case scenario right now?" Oh my gosh, I love that. And it struck me so big. I'm like. I never thought of something. I mean, it was brilliant when he said it. I thought, yeah, what if, okay, so you're living your worst thing right now. Then what? Again, to Laura's point, even if you're living your worst case scenario, you're not limited because the next thing our mind says is, okay, if I'm living my worst, most of us will say, okay, then what? Well, suddenly you just stepped into a limitless possibility because even if it's the worst, our minds are going to go, okay, well then, whether it's, okay, well, it really sucks or whatever your mind is going to go do something more with that because it won't just sit there. Our minds are those crazy little crazy makers that let us do this stuff. And um, thank God we are able to look at things through that limitless possibility. So girlfriend, thank you so much for bringing it on, bringing it good, doing it the way you do it and wishing you just mountains and mountains and mountains of success. And if not, I'll meet you at the Wienermobile, I guess. (laughs) You bring the wine, baby. (laughs) Well, thanks for being with us, Laura. Again, her book is Limitless. And you want to go grab it so that you can ignore everybody, carve out your own path, and live your best life. And we will have everything you need to connect with Laura. Take the Limitless assessment. Please go do it. If not, you can't listen to this podcast anymore. But go do it. It'll be good for your soul. And um, we will catch you all real soon with another episode of Life Uncloseted. Hey everyone, it's Rick. I just wanted to let you know that as soon as we got done recording this podcast, Laura offered up two special gifts. She is going to give two listeners of the podcast a copy of her book. They will be signed autographed copies of Limitless, How to Ignore Everybody, Carve Your Own Path, and Live Your Best Life. So here's how you're going to win one of these books. You simply just need to shoot me an email at rick at rickclemens.com and that's rick at rick c-l-e-m-o-n-s.com. I will take emails for the next two days. So through Friday, April the 5th at midnight, I will take emails from anybody. And then on Saturday, um, I will pick a name out of the hat, so to speak. So if you would like a copy of Laura's book, just shoot me a quick email again at rick at rickclemens.com and two, not just somebody, two lucky people will get a signed autograph copy of Laura's book.
So thanks for listening, everybody. And again, we love you here at Life Uncloseted and keep going out and stepping up and breaking through your fears, making your bold moves and living your life without apologies. Take care, everybody. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments if you like and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.